And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where we bring you news you can't find anywhere else from Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. We are delighted to be joined by our news person extraordinaire, the lovely and talented Linda Stein. Hello, Linda. Good morning, Michael. And because of uh, requirements due to a work release program we've entered, our writer and intrepid reporter, (laughs) Taylor Millard, is with us as well. Hello. How are you, Taylor? Just fine, Michael. Happy to be here. Now, do you have to wear the orange vest when you do podcast two, or is that just when you're picking up stuff on the side of the road? A little bit of both. (laughs) Of course, I'm kidding, uh, but uh, we definitely wanted to have uh, Taylor on this uh, podcast because we've been covering events in the city of Chester, and they are going to have a new mayor. And we are delighted to have Mayor-elect Stefan Roots on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Mr. Mayor-elect, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. You had me a little nervous with that intro to uh, to Taylor. Don't don't worry about Taylor. He's, he's, He's working through it. You know, second chances. We believe in I'm totally kidding. Just so anyone knows, I'm making this all up. As far as I know, Taylor has not spent any time in jail. But then again, I've never asked. I'm not going to start now. So I have to ask you, actually, about we've heard some disturbing rumors, uh, Mayor-elect Roots, the kind of allegations that can really hurt someone's political career. So I wanted to hear from you first. There's a rumor that you were actually involved in journalism. I can't think of a more scurrilous attack on someone in public service than linking them to journalism. Well, it's actually true, and it's, it's actually <laughs> what, what, what got me to where I am today. So in 2006, I did start a community journalism project here here in the city of Chester. Never expected it to be actually still going on in a, in a blog format. You can find it on chesterblog.com. But it was a response to being fired from the, uh, a local newspaper. So I told them, you fired the wrong guy. I'm going to create a <laughs> Uh, uh, issue here in Chester because people in Chester feel as though we never get a fair shake with good news. So I started what was called a good newspaper. It was called the Chester Spotlight. I featured or spotlighted all the good stuff that was going on around here. And uh, it might be the only project I've ever worked on that I hit it out the park right out the gate because people really gravitated to that monthly uh, publication. And I did it for four years before morphing into a blog format, which gave me wider reach. And the most important part about that journalism journey is that it it kept me on top of the issues for that long, since 2006. Right. So when it came time to consider this political run, I had to admit to myself that, wow, I have a body of knowledge, a body of experience, have talked to the players. Uh, I know what's going on around here, have chronicled it. And it's some of the source that people like yourself have referred to over the years. So um, as, as scurrilous as you say it is, it, it, really, <laughs> it really was the project that, that got me where I am today. It's really been kind of a meteoric rise to a certain extent because you've gone from journalist to blogger to city councilman to now mayor-elect. Are you surprised at all that this happened? The only surprise that I have is that someone would see in me the potential to to come into the city as an elected official. It was never, never, ever. I was the guy who loved um, just exposing the things that I felt was going right and the things that I felt was going wrong. I, I knew I had a, maybe a special power of taking the stuff that you guys write, like the just the, the traditional journalism 
and dissecting it in a way that my audience, the city of Chester, could understand, get right to the key points. It wasn't a matter of his side, her side, or even being objective. It's like, here's what I think about what I'm seeing, hearing, and reading, and this is what I think you should uh, understand as well. So it was it was a lot more of an opinion piece. Uh, you say meteoric rise, maybe it is. You know, it's been two years since I ran for for council, and now I'm the darn mayor. Wow, who would have thought? Not even me in my wildest dreams, but at this point of life, it's <laughs> it's a perfect career change. And with everything that I've done, even prior to journalism, which was nothing more than a hobby, I'm a true hack as a journalist, but I am, you know, an engineer, a businessman, and now a, a, a burgeoning uh, politician. What are going to be some of your goals now that you're mayor-elect? That's easy. Save the city. You know, there was... Real talk that we could be in unincorporated if we run out of money. Okay, I got to interrupt right there because you said there was past tense. Uh, according to the reporting we're doing at Delaware Valley Journal, that is a, an actual real possibility on the table. Is that not true? Well, yeah, what I was going to say, the statement that was made in its entirety was that, yeah, we could be incorporated if we run out of money before we uh, get through bankruptcy. So. Uh, one of the things that is going to help bankruptcy move along is to reduce the amount of challenge that we have brought to the receiver and his team with regard to getting us through that. So I truly believe that with them focusing on the work that has to be done to get us through bankruptcy and not challenging them any further, uh, we're going to get through this as we as we need to and expect to. What happens if the receiver proposes something that you as mayor wouldn't like? Are you going to challenge him on that or will you be a rubber stamp? That is the best question of the day. There is no rubber stamping going on around here. Uh, yeah, I will challenge them. But at the same token, I'm also guiding them now that I'm in this seat, that I that I have the opportunity to have these direct talks with, with the receiver. I haven't had that opportunity in the past. And, you know, I don't feel the city has done a really good job uh, kind of guiding the receiver in a way that both the receiver and the city could get through this process. Uh, I guess what I'm really trying to say, if I could be a little more succinct, is that uh, you know, I'm bringing experts to the table as well with, mm -hmm. with the receiver. There, there's been a lot of talk that he's coming here to ch change the form of government or run the city. And that's not the case at all. It's, it's, it's certainly his, his emphasis is, is on finances. Uh, I don't have that perspective that he's coming over to take, take the city over, but the city definitely has to have some input in what he does working with the receiver in my mind and the way I'm moving forward does not mean falling in line with everything the receiver wants to do, because if he can have carte blanche with everything, then yeah, he is running the city and taking over the city. This is our city. This is my city as the chief executive now, and we're going to be working in lockstep to move things forward. But I tell you, I, I, I you know, to your, to your question specifically, no, <laughs> The answer is no, I am not. He, he does not have carte blanche here. He is a, he's a receiver 
I'm the executive of the city. We expect to come to terms on most things, but uh, nah, he's not going to run over me or my administration. Well, Stefan, um, I, I believe that you were campaigning uh, as a populist and uh, not in favor of Covanta. Is that right? And um, how would you get, get them out of there since so many people are, are unhappy about that uh, facility? Uh, getting them out of here has been an effort that's been going on for 30 years. So obviously, there's no easy answer to that. Uh, the current administration considers them a good a good business partner. I'm going to uh, really test that relationship to see how good a business partner they are. Do we well, want, do we want um, them here? No. Do we want a big a big incinerator that's 30 years old that's operating under old uh, regulations from the environmental folks? Absolutely not. Have they impacted the property values, particularly in that part of town that they sit in? They absolutely have. Uh, how, how to get rid of them is going to be an effort that we're going to be working on uh, moving forward. The efforts in the past have related to the environmental regulations and um, just the way they do business, you know, that obviously isn't enough. Economics is is the only factor that's going to move that place out of town. So, well, how would you replace the hole in the city budget then? From I think I believe it's around five million that they contribute to the city. That's a lot, especially if you're going through bankruptcy, right? Well, I'm. A, I'm... <laughs> I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Oh, we love that. We encourage that as much as possible from elected officials. So (laughs) Mayor uh, elect, you are way ahead of the game. Go right ahead. Uh, Number one, $5 million is not enough. It's been $5 million for a very long time. This, 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 this host fee should be escalating year after year, after year, after year, after year. And it hasn't. In fact, it's been rolling backwards uh, in terms of the uh, amount of money that's been coming into the city. So that's going to be one correction that I'm going to work on right away. And on the other end, uh, knowing how the receiver is helping us set up our budgets moving forward, we're not counting on that money. So if in fact there's some, let's call it magic wand or uh, ordinance or some way that we can bring a bulldozer and push it into the river and get it out of here right away, (laughs) It is is no longer or we're moving forward as if the money that we're receiving from them, you know, is 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 not required. I mean, it's not it's not needed. Is that difficult? Of course it is. But there's there's a lot going on right now. And the philosophy fiscally moving forward is we're not counting on that money. Well, it's kind of a big, ugly piece of property, too. What else would you uh, want to go in there? You might have trouble luring uh, another uh, industry into that spot. One good thing about that spot is that it's it 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 it's not leaving an environmental footprint that's that's bad. So if it were to be wiped out right away, there there won't be a lot of remediation needed, if any. It's not like in the old days of industrial Chester where, you know, oils and chemicals have seeped in the ground for years. That place 
could be repurposed rather quickly. If you look at its next door neighbor, who's just invested anywhere from 50 to $70 million in putting a sportsplex down there, wouldn't it be great to have something to complement that? The waterfront is beautiful. If you ever come down here and look at the waterfront with your back to the city, it's one of the most beautiful sites in the world. And I want you to turn around. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's the deterioration of the neighborhoods in that area. That's what we want to change. Mayor elect, you've been, uh, you've talked about your criticism of uh, the Covanta plant. You've also been critical of the proposed liquid natural gas plant. Is that the same thing when it comes to the uh, waterfront and wanting it to look really nice? No, that it, it, my opposition to the liquefied natural gas export terminal that you know you guys say are, is proposed, and I say show me the proposal, um, is is totally different. That's a public health and a public safety uh, issue, straight first and foremost. Public safety in terms of those type of plants usually sit on 1,000 acres of just virgin land or, or uninhabited land or non-populated land, I think might be the best way to do it. To squeeze all that into 100 acres and to, and to displace you know, dozens and dozens of families, businesses, churches, and established entities here to create this blast zone that they need, which indicates that this is not safe business uh is is something i don't like and then there's public health many you know natural gas when it is liquefied especially the natural gas that's coming from you know the fracking areas of the state right you know contain some of those same pollutants that we're we're experiencing not just from covanta but you know it's an old industrial town we have other industries on the waterfront we just don't need to accumulate and bring another one of those uh, multiple polluters mm -hmm. onto the waterfront. The EPA, I hope they hurry up and change their ways, but you know, when they permit plants to to burn or to incinerate or you know to to pollute what is what they do, they they gauge it on the individual plants and they have their limits. But in a city like Chester, you really have to look at it differently. You have to accumulate the the whole collective and see how it affects um Pollution. Right. But Mayor-elect, you also have to acknowledge that there are people who see the massive amount of wealth that will be pumping through that pipeline, wealth for the state of Pennsylvania, potentially wealth for the city. And um, you, you talked about hosting fees, et cetera. There's got to be an opportunity there. And then do you, is it your job as the mayor of Chester to take into account things like the you know importance to the state of having this product move or even to, uh, you know, thinking internationally with, uh, you know, Russia invading Ukraine and with the turmoil in the Middle East, having the U.S. as a force for good, able to add to the world's energy supply, which is something we on, on liquefied natural gas, where we are, experts tell me, woefully behind because we haven't encouraged exports and that this is exactly the sort of facility that the U.S. needs so that we can offset bad actors uh, like Russia. I, or, is, or is that like, hey, not my pay, my, my, my pay scale ends at City of Chester. Let the world take care of the rest of it. Listen, I'm, I'm going to give you a short answer to a long question. If the international community, the national community, the state community really want me to consider uh, them, then they have to consider 
me or us, the city of Chester. Up to now, they haven't. Up to now, they just seem to want to railroad this thing into our city. So no, I, I don't have any considerations for the state, the county, or the international community in those regards until they want to sit down, until they do sit down with me and explain themselves. What has disappointed me up to this point is that they have talked about the implications internationally, nationally, and, and statewide, but have given little credence to what's going to happen right here on the ground. Uh, to your to your point and to your question, they talk about the increased, let's just call it host fees or taxes that will come to the city, but no one's quantified it to a point that I can go out to my citizens and say, uh, are you willing to give up this to get that? So the answer is, come, let's sit down, let's talk. And then I'll, I'll, I'll tell the international community, the country, and the state how I really feel about their project. But again, moving backwards, if I were to reverse myself, you said proposed. I have not seen a proposal. Until I see a proposal, until I can get my experts to look at it, there's nothing proposed as far as I'm concerned. This just seems to be an, an effort to uh, just 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 kind of bring themselves here uh, just because they think they can. How do well, you part of the mayor's uh, job, at least I think, is to help bring jobs to the city. What are your plans in that regard? Uh, to help bring jobs. We already have jobs in our city. Let's start there. And one of the disappointing parts about having the number of jobs that we have in our city is many of them are not uh, held by people who live in the city. And I had the perfect slap in the face of that moment when I'm sitting there trying to get petitions to get on the ballot when I was a city councilman. And we have this great donut shop uh, here in the city called Fatso's. And I'm sitting in front of Fatso's, which is right across the street from our transportation center. And I'm just you know, asking people that perfect question. Are you from Chester? Are you a Democrat? I need you to sign my petition to get on the ballot. And after probably 50 straight, no, I'm not from Chester's, uh, you know, I'm realizing that people are coming into Chester every day to go to work. When I finally did encounter a Chester person, he was getting on the bus to leave town to go to work. So we have a, 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 a total imbalance here as to number of jobs that the city has and the number of city employees who have those jobs. But I understand your question. What am I going to bring to the city to bring new opportunities? Um, that's yet to be seen. We're looking at increasing housing stock. We're looking at re-planning the city. We have a lot of empty space, a lot of old buildings that have gone down. It's an old city. You know, everything is almost approaching 100 years old. So to create the spaces in the city, land banking, that whole thing, and then present to developers the type of things that we'd love to see come to the city is going to be part of a early effort uh, as the mayor. One of the things that's always disappointed me being a homegrown guy here and have always had a university here, whether it be PMC, Penn, Pennsylvania Military College, which morphed into Widener University, we're one of the few towns that I've seen in my travels that has a university, but doesn't represent itself as a college town. So even right around the college area where we should be having all kinds of amenities for the students right. to enjoy, uh, we just have never focused. And if you've come to our city, that college is literally a half mile away from Crozier Hospital, where 
all other cities that have eds and meds in them have thrived. I mean, you, you don't have to look any further than West Philadelphia or right across the bridge at uh, Rowan, Rowan University. Uh, Wychester hasn't had that vision to to build in, in areas like that is, you know, seems to be a no brainer to me. So it's going to be creative. It's going to take, you know, just a, a, a new way of thinking. And it takes a guy like me to knock on every business person's door and meet them and greet them and tell them there's a new guy in town. And don't be shy and asking, can you hire one person or two people from the city? I think a lot of it is just from a lack of asking. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is how can you get them to hire Chester people? Um, is there like a problem with the skills that they don't have the right, you know, some of them don't have the right skills, some of your residents to match the jobs? Or, you know, what can you do in, in that regard? Well, what we can do in a simple sense, uh, I mean, I haven't taken a complete skill assessment assessment of our, of my population, but you know, I can go to these business owners and say, you know, if you can't hire, then can we get somebody to intern or volunteer so they can learn the skill of cabinet making or paper pulp or any of the 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 things that we're doing already in this city. And, and that's an approach I'm going to make as far as increasing the skill sets. People ask about the city's relationship with the school district. And, you know, they're their own entity. They're not a part of the city, but we do have to, you know, the, the thing that the city can do to support the school district and the people in this town who need to improve, enhance, update their skill set is to work with our nonprofits and other organizations to create these opportunities to learn 20th, you know, 20th, 20th, 21st century uh, skill sets. One final question for you, Mayor Mayor Elect, before we wrap this up. Two years into uh, Mayor Kirkland's tenure, he decided to run for Congress. That obviously failed. Uh, however, will you do the same, or do you plan on carving out your own track record and just focus on the city? I'm an old man getting started in this uh, <laughs> political space. So uh, what you're saying is you're, you're 20 years away from being old enough to be the Democratic nominee for president, is what you're saying. I you know, I'm still um, getting used to being in this role. You, know, you already got me running for Congress. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's in the future here. I'm just, just going to go. You know, just, just total, uh, total immersion right here in this role. I'm giving myself four years to really make a, a huge difference. There is no Plan B. Um, I, I do think there, there will be something at the end of the rainbow here, if you want to look at it like that, but to pursue uh, anything beside trying to get Chester straight would be a, a, a disservice to Chester. I, I truly believe I'm the only person who is bold enough to go against the machine and win, who has the skill set that can make things happen and have the contacts, the associations, the relationships to do this in a really fast manner. And then I'm truly blessed to have this time where we have a receiver who's bringing us a bunch of resources that Chester could have not otherwise even paid for. So, it you know, timing, the cards are all stacked up, the stars are aligned, however you want to describe it. 
uh, my time here in Chester is going to be spent here in Chester. And what's next will probably be retirement. I got a lot of grandkids who who missed their granddaddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I said, OK, give me four years, guys, and I'll be right over. So, uh, no, I, I do not have aspirations to 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 do anything political outside of the city. Uh, I'm a boots on the ground kind of guy, and I can only see myself if I did move into even state rep or or Congress, just be really disappointed because I'm not touching the people who really need the help here in the city. Well, Mayor-elect Stefan Roots, we appreciate you making time for us after your uh, big win on Tuesday to join us for the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Thanks so much for your time, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Well, I have to say I have a ton of respect for you guys. You guys do great work, and thank you for allowing me to share with you today. We promote political sucking up here at DVJ. We <laughs> think that's a good thing, and more politicians should engage in it. So thank you very much. No, seriously, it's great to have you. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.